Welcome to the Engaged Prospect podcast. My name is Dan Hirsch. I'm president and founder of Engaged Prospect. And today I'm sitting with Jeff Tobe. Jeff is a customer experience expert. He's an international keynote speaker. He works with organizations to help them understand how to provide an excellent customer experience. And he focuses on thinking outside the box and um, changing, changing your mindset and getting creative when needed. Whether you're an accountant, an HR professional, retailer, or doctor, you share one marketing imperative. If you truly want to focus on your customer, you have to see your business as your customer sees it. And Jeff certainly helps these organizations understand what their customer is thinking. Jeff, it's awesome to have you today. Dan, you forgot to mention charming and good looking as well. Ah, yes. Well... <laughs> That will be on the video podcast series. We'll just show everybody. Yes. It's, it's so nice to be here. It's an honor. We've been, we've been talking about doing this for years, and um, I'm really glad to finally have you here. Um, I know when, when you came in and we sat down in our office uh, a long time ago and we were talking about what we did, you, you were telling me all about your, your speaking career, and um, you were starting to work on – um, how you could do more virtual um, sessions and, and help more customers from your home office. And for full disclosure to those listening, it is April 17th today, I believe, 2020. So we're right in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. Jeff, how, is, how has your, your pivot from last year or two years ago kind of impacted what you're, what you're seeing now? Well, crazy times, Dan. I mean, first of all, obviously the speaking business, which is about 90% of what I do, has come to a, a, a screeching halt. <laughs> uh, no one's jumping on airplanes and nobody's having meetings. So there's been this, this move in my profession, obviously, to go virtual. And, and um, this is a key point that I talk about to, to salespeople all the time is, you know, how do you, how do you increase the value of what you do versus the perceived cost? And I'm having a hard time with that, you know. Um, because unfortunately, clients undervalue a, a, uh, a virtual presentation versus an in-your-face presentation. So I'm trying to figure that out, doing a lot of virtu virtual presentations, giving a lot away, um, doing a lot of interviews, and, and trying to figure out what my business is going to look like. Yeah, so, so a couple of things from there, but certainly... Certainly, you're, you're trying to get creative in what you can offer and how you can help your customers. Um, and, and every time we've talked on, the, on a video call, you've been in your home office, so you're definitely set up for success to work from home, right? You've been doing this for a while. Absolutely. What are you, what are you seeing with, with your clients? You certainly don't need to share names if you don't want, but what are you, what are you seeing from them as, as they kind of embrace the, the new normal for now? Well, I see panic, you know, I, I really do because I'm working mostly in the meetings profession um, of my keynoting that I do, I would say 50 or 60% is to associations. And so uh, unfortunately, you know, the reality is that many small associations who typically bring in speakers or just have an annual meeting are, are really panicked because I, I don't know if you realize this, but um, their annual meeting or their meeting three times a, a year uh, is really the, the, the biggest source of income that keeps them afloat. And if that's not going to happen, and some industry experts are saying, 
possibly the end of this year, but absolutely not, you know, probably not, sorry, until first quarter next year. Uh, and then again, at a, in a small scale, that they're not going to have the income to survive. So, you know, one of the things that I've been talking, I just, as a matter of fact, just this morning was on the phone with the, uh, with the uh, CEO of a very large organization here in the States. And we were talking about the fact that, and I was just coaching him and, and saying that we have to switch really from a victim mentality to a creator mentality. You know, how is this happening for me instead of why is this happening for me? And I talk about perspective. I think we have to start looking at our businesses from our customer's perspective, not ours. In other words, what, what's the new normal for them, not us? And uh, a blatant plug, if I can, you know, my last book was called Anticipate, Knowing What Customers Need Before They Do. It's never been more important. We have to anticipate now what our business has to look like for our customer. You know, Steve Jobs was amazing at doing this. Um, Steve Jobs, when he got his Mac team together for the first time, he said to them, I want you to envision opening the box to this uh, fantastic computer. Now let's work backwards. Uh, to to establish what the customer experience has to be, uh, and then we'll create the product. So it's that's it's, it's that change in mindset that I'm seeing. I'd like to see more of it, but that's what I'm trying to promote. That's fantastic. So so you're looking at no, it's not just product launches, of course. You you help your clients with a variety of of services. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. You know. We were sharing before we started to record that um, I have a new niche of working with uh, dentists in the dental profession. Uh, I had 700 dentists on a uh, uh, Zoom call last week. And um, depending on what state they're in, they're in, uh, I mean, state as in United States, not mental state. Uh, depending <laughs> on state they're in, you know, like in, here in Pennsylvania, where I live, um, it's one of the few states that uh, the governor made dental offices close, period. In uh, most other states are open for emergency procedures and, and uh, like that. And, and so um, they're panicked to say the least. And one of the things we were talking about is it's, I think it's a great opportunity. So I think we're, we're sort of, when things fall away, we're, we're gifted with an empty space. It's like an opportunity where we have to allow opportunity to come in. One of the ways to do that, I told them was, uh, I want you to drive to your office. Some of you are doing that every day anyway, not that you have staff there or patients. And I want you, from the minute you pull into your parking lot, I want you to be your, your patient, your customer in this case. You know, how difficult is it to find a parking spot? What, what does the elevator smell like as I go up to your floor? Uh, go into the men's room or ladies' room, depending on <laughs> which you prefer. <laughs> and, and, you know, and what is, is it dirty? These are all part of my experience. It's not part about just servicing your patient. And for the dental profession, this was an eye opener, apparently, and I didn't even realize it, but they're so focused on the technical, on the clinical, you know, offering an amazing experience when you sit in that chair. They're not thinking about the end-to-end the -end experience that I love to talk about. How did, how did you get into this in the first place? Let's go back a bit. <laughs> I don't know if I shared that story with you. I, I fell into this. I, I never grew up thinking I wanted to be a speaker or a consultant uh, or an author. I, um, as a matter of fact, we, I used to be in the marketing and advertising business. I had my own firm. Just uh, We were fairly small, 13, 14 employees at any given time. Hmm. Um, but uh, one, we had won all kinds of awards for creativity and promotions. 
And the International Association that awarded them came to me and said, you know, no one's ever won that, kind of, that many awards in a year. Would you put together a 90-minute talk for your peers, your colleagues at our annual convention? So I did it. You know, I'm a bit of a ham. And, um, and about two days later, a woman from Wisconsin called me and she said, I heard you in Dallas. Would you come to Wisconsin, do the same thing? I said, sure. She said, what do you charge? I said, charge? You get paid to talk? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I charged her $200 for the day. <laughs> and, and, and there was silence on the other end when I quoted that. And salespeople will appreciate the fact that I had to make it up. So I said, and you have to pay my expenses. Well, it was so long ago, you'll appreciate this, Dan, but uh, we didn't have the internet then. She's, at that minute, she said, um, fax me the contract right now. I want to sign it. <laughs> And I knew I'd done something wrong. So, but yeah. you know, <laughs> what's neat is I didn't have to quit my day job for the next two years. I had a wonderful staff in the marketing arena and I went out and kind of played at speaking. And two years later, one of my, um, one of my uh, people came to me and said, you know, you don't want to, I was living in Dallas at the time. You don't want to uh, be in Dallas. You don't want to be in this industry. Sell me the business. So I sold her the business and moved to Pittsburgh the wonderful city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and started this full-time, I can't believe I'm going into my 28th year. Wow, almost three decades of helping companies better, better see the process and their services from the customer's point of view. Absolutely, and, and when you say that, I feel very old, but I started when I was 16, so no, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's right, hey, I, I, if you charged her 200 bucks, I hope you were 16. <laughs> well, I charge 300 now, so. <laughs> ah, nice, very good. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Tobe, call him for a special <laughs> no, offer. No, no, don't. <laughs> so so, so let's, go, let's go back to this dentist concept. So you're, you just had how many hundreds of people? 700 dentists, yeah. 700 dentists who predominantly, um, anybody in the medical profession really, but, but doctors in particular are not known for being, I mean, there's the whole concept of bedside manner, right? Mm -hmm. And that is purely to a doctor and nurse. And um, typically, typically we don't think of them as providing excellent customer service. Right. Talk Talk about, and, and customer experience, I'm sure, is slightly different, but talk, talk about kind of what you've learned from doing these sessions with dentists in terms of how they, how they approach their patients. Yeah. Well, you just mentioned it, and, and there is, I, I think, a huge difference between customer service and customer experience. So let's start there. You know, customer service is what most entrepreneurial salespeople do well. It comes from the heart. It's not going anywhere. You know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Customer experience, though, is the ability to step back and ask ourselves, what's my customer's experience from the minute they make contact with us till the minute they're done? Notice I didn't say with me. And that's the big difference I see in healthcare, that they're trying to get there. Uh, I don't know if you know, but especially in, uh, in the hospital community and, and um, in that end of healthcare, part of their reimbursement is now based on patient experience scores. So they're very focused on this thing called patient experience. Now, it's not the physician that's gonna stand beside your bed. Uh, he or she truly doesn't care. And you know what? If I'm in an emergency situation, I don't care about customer experience or customer service, just fix me, you know? So, but it's, it's all the ancillary people 
uh, in that in that environment who have to be concerned now about the patient experience. And that so it's that end-to-end -end patient experience or customer experience. And basically it, it what it is is that involves so many more people than just me. And so when I talk about looking at what you do from the the customer's perspective, you know, I'm talking about from the minute they make contact to the minute they're done. And then we get into a thing uh, I'll mention very quickly. We, we don't have a huge amount of time, I know, Dan, but it really depends. It's dependent on what I call touch points. And we've heard this term before, but the way I define it is a touch point is any opportunity we have to influence the customer experience. And let me say that again, any opportunity we have to influence the customer experience. So all those things I was talking about before, not being able to find a parking spot, uh, uh, the men's room's dirty, the uh, on hold message is, is full, you know, those, those, that's all part of my experience, but each one of those is a touch point. So I ask organizations all the time in healthcare, it doesn't matter what, what uh, profession, uh, I ask them to identify their, their touch points and we have hundreds of them in any given day. Then the next step is figure out who owns each touch point. Somebody has to be responsible for each touch point. And then the third step is, how do we tweak or how do we make a little better each one of those touch points? Because by doing those little things, if, if uh, people own their touch points and, and make them a little better, the end-to-end -end experience is going to change completely. And that can be, those touch points don't have to be physical. Um, and what I mean by that is you mentioned earlier the smell of an elevator, the how hard it is to find a parking spot. What are some, what are some, so, so those are, I don't know if you call them physical, but to me, those are, those are some physical experiences. Well, you know, when you, when you talk about physical and touching, I'm not sure that we're getting politically correct here. So <laughs> that's, that's not use <laughs> well, the word physical, but I, I, I get what okay. you mean. <laughs> sure. No, do, you know, do you have, do you have a tangible? Would that be a fair, a fair word? Yeah, I think that, that it is intangible. I, the way I look at it is pretty simple. And uh, when I work with uh, sales forces and sales professionals, I have to tell you, uh, my frustration is that um, customer service is transactional. Customer experience is, is emotional. How do I feel when I walk out? And the question I get people to ask is, what story is your customer going to tell other people when they're done with you? And, that, and that's the Steve Jobs thing, right? What story are they, do we want them to tell when they're done with us? And then let's work backwards to make sure that they're going to tell that story. So what another large company like Apple that comes to mind is Disney. When you're at the Magic Kingdom or Epcot, they, they do some pretty unique things to keep you entertained while you're standing in line. Yep. And that experience is told all over the world when people come back from vacation. Uh, absolutely. Now you have to understand though who you're talking to. I, I took my uh, then uh, eight-year-old and six-year-old daughters to uh, Disney World for the first time. And we were there, I would say, short of 17 minutes when they looked up at me and said, we're bored. Can we go back and swim in the pool at the hotel? <laughs> so so we're, we're, not, we're not big Disney people. But here's the thing with Disney. And I, believe me, I, I respect what they do. I, I think it's pretty incredible. But part of me feels like it's, it's a little bit too staged, right? Now, they would tell you that that's the whole point, right? That it's staged. Um, but being staged and seeming unstaged, I like to say it, it's kind of like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of another example. I can't think quickly, but it, it's, it's, 
I think there's a difference. And to me, I, I see the staging. So I'm, I'm a, not a huge fan of that. So let's, let's transition then to a company that may, may, that probably doesn't make it look staged because they're too small to put in, even put in that thought. Talk about some of the smaller organizations you work with and some, some ways they can provide customer experience along those touch points to, to really wow somebody. Absolutely. So believe it or not, we've talked, to, we've talked already about two of the major things, ingredients, if you will, that I talk about. One is creative thinking. Two is about the customer experience and touch points. But the third piece is key. It doesn't matter the size of the organization. It's about how do we engage our team? How do we engage our people internally so that it's a better experience externally? So you, uh, one of the a small organization that I consulted with last year, I was talking to the CEO about two weeks ago. Or actually, when this just started, so I guess that's a little longer. And we were talking about what's coming ahead. And he was, of course, like a lot of small entrepreneurs was fretting over the idea of having to lay off a bunch of people. And, and um, he said, you know, I, and he had, he really bought into the concept of, uh, of engagement. As a matter of fact, uh, and by the way, we're talking a company of uh, 66 people. So um, he had daily huddles by, by um, uh, department. So each day didn't matter the size of the department. It didn't matter what department it could have been accounting where there was only two people um, to his sales force, which I think uh, about 17 or 18 people. And every single morning they started with a daily huddle and they didn't talk about what's happened. They talk about what they want to happen. Steve Jobs theory, right? And um, so we were talking about, you know, mindset and how going back to that uh, switching from victim mentality to creator mentality. And um, I said to him, you know, I've got an idea. He said, oh, his, his, his challenge was, how do I keep my people engaged when they're going to be at home, right? And that's a big challenge right now for what we're going through. And what we came up with was an idea. And that was, and I think it's one of the key tenets. As a matter of fact, I've got a brand new program on uh, five steps to uh, leading in turbulent times. And one of the steps now, as crazy as it sounds, is be a, a, a story collector. And what, you know, we got to collect and share stories of humor, humanity, generosity with our staff, with our patients, with our customers. So how he took that uh, and ran with it is that he asked his, his employees that uh, to make videos to any way they want to share it, poems, um, uh, write down stories, write a journal, but about their day-to-day -day experiences outside of work. Well, it's become so popular that every day uh, he gets on a Zoom call with all his, his entire staff. Um, they play a, a video or they show the artwork. It, sometimes it was children's artwork. Uh, he, I learned a new word. This is how uh, socially inept I am, I guess, because he said he read a haiku. I had to go look that up, but um, <laughs> and he, but but he said it just it's just kept everybody together. Even those people that um, were laid off. Are, are sending in uh, different things about what daily life is for them. And it really is about them, not about him right now. So I have no clue if I answered your question, Dan, but <laughs> it went off on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, uh, we, we certainly enjoyed it. We, we certainly enjoyed it. There's some, I, I love, back to one of the very first things you said, the, the morning huddles that he had. Yeah. We, we do that with our team and I've found, so, 
So I'll tie this into something I want you to talk about a little more, but I found that the engagement of my team just through these morning huddles is an excellent way of bringing everybody together and getting everybody on the same page. Yeah. You, you, you brought that up as a third component, right? So, so internal customer experience is different than external the actual customer experience, but it, but it ties in and it makes me think, unfortunately, the anecdotes we all know are from huge companies, right? But Southwest yeah. airlines focuses yeah. most, uh, you could probably tell the story better than I can, but they focus on their, their employees. And if they do right by their employee, their employees will do right by the customers. Is that the gist of it? Absolutely. But we pay lip service to it often. You know, I, I see so many organizations, um, you know, again, 65 people, I'll use this as an example, I guess I'm picking on them, they're in the insurance world. Uh, they had never done a, a, an employee engagement survey. You know, oh, we're not big enough. And I said, truly, is that what you think? I, don't you wanna know what your employees are thinking? Wouldn't you wanna know if your employees would recommend you, your services or your product to their friends, family or colleagues? You know, there's so many questions. That, and I think that um, Southwest Airlines obviously being a huge, is, is so into and has been, and by the way, I think led the field uh, in employee engagement, um, but in, and and customer engagement. You know, I was on a flight. Remember those flights we used to get on airplanes? <laughs> but anyway, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah, I was on a flight about a year ago from Chicago to um, Oakland, California, and south, on Southwest, and they had the entire plane singing a song. Now, I know it's very superficial, but at, at a very superficial level, that's engaging our customer, right? Um, and then they do it internal as well. Harley-Davidson, I, I don't ride, but my friends who do tell me they've done an amazing job of engaging their customers. How do they do it? Because they understand touch points. And Southwest, especially when Herb Keller was CEO, um, he talked about these. He did not call them touch points at the time. Uh, as a matter of fact, he called them points of love you know, Southwest. So, so uh, he called them points of love. And um, basically they, they examined every touch point that a customer has from the minute they arrive at the, at the uh, airport till, you know, till the minute they uh, leave the next airport uh, with Southwest. And that was before his time. So I, I give Southwest a lot of credit, uh, but there are other organizations that do that. And Zappos, you know, have you heard of Zappos? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Zappos uh, said, uh, we're in the, how they put it, we're in the customer experience business and oh yeah, we happen to sell stuff. I love that. Interesting, is that, is that how, how they position it? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, they, well, they originally said we're in, the, we're in the customer experience business and we happen to sell shoes. Now it's stuff because they sell so much, right? And that's the mentality I believe that salespeople today should have. Uh, I'm in the customer experience business and I just happen to sell fill in the blank here. Hmm. That's fantastic. So let's, let's use the, the little, you know, of EP as an example, we're, we're a small business. Um, we range anywhere because of part of our work is outsourced sales. We range in number of people, uh, but let's say 10 to 20 employee company. How, how can we, really make a, are, are there any quick and easy ways of, of looking at the three buckets that you've laid out to, mm -hmm. to make positive strides yep. in, in an easy way? 
Sure. Number one is you, uh, you hire Jeff Tobe for more than $300 to come in and not kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> 200 ladies and gentlemen. Right. The second is you buy the book coloring outside the lines, <laughs> but seriously, um, I, I think that I don't think you're ever too small. Does that make sense to do the things that the Southwest airlines are doing? Uh, the basic concept is, it, it is to focus on your people internally. So the experience could be better externally. So let me ask you, Dan, I'm going to throw it back at you. What are you doing with your people to keep them engaged? You told me some things. Yeah, sure. So we have a morning huddle every morning. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've done a lot over the years, and certainly it's, it's ebbed and flowed. But besides the morning huddles, as, as you know, we're a training organization. So not only do we provide services um, in terms of sales training and management training, but we also we also focus heavily on our people. And I'll give, you, I'll give you one example that I'd love to get your thoughts on, but we get asked this all the time between two of our different services. In one service, we offer a three-month entrepreneur sales training program. And it's teaching the, the single person or very small group, um, small businesses, that we teach the owners how to be salespeople when they have to be, right? A lot of times an engineer starts a, a firm and he or she is the salesperson because they don't, have, they don't have resources to go hire a sales team. But that person's an engineer, back to your dentist, right? They, mm -hmm. they don't have passion for making cold calls and networking events and using social media and, and driving new business. So we teach them how to do it when they have to. Ultimately, our second model is to help them build out a sales team. And that's, that's been our focus actually as our core business for years. So I say that to tell you that the major difference between the two, besides who we're teaching, whether it's the entrepreneur or a salesperson, the major difference is when we work with the sales reps specifically, 80% of our time is spent coaching, not training. Training is, doing sessions and teaching them the methodology behind why you should do certain things. Yeah. Rein reinforcing, of course, but it's, it's mostly classroom and group conversation. Coaching is that one-on-one -on -one feedback loop where you can sit down and listen to calls, talk about strategy, look at data, understand what's going on on the individual level. And that's the same in professional sports, right? You can watch game tape with your, your entire offense, but it's really when you're sitting with the quarterback coach talking about what, what scheme you saw and what defensive play you thought they had and why you chose to throw the receiver X, right? That's coaching. Mm -hmm. And when we implemented a sophisticated, bad choice of words, when we implemented a robust coaching policy, we saw drastic change. We had been training, we had been teaching, but we hadn't been coaching. And I'd say from a, from a performance standpoint, that was the number one factor is learning to coach. But from the topic that we're discussing, an engagement standpoint, the coaching was, I'm making this up, but 200% better at getting the person to think how everybody wanted that person to think, to act like everybody wanted that person to act, to be mature, to, to have all of the skill sets required to be successful. And that translates over into how we provide service to our customers. 
So let me let me let me trans, oh, okay. let me keep going with that though, Dan. And and so this is a natural. You asked me what can we do to keep our people engaged and, and internally and coaching our people internally is a key as well, not just coaching our customer, right? Um, especially during times of uh, during turbulent times, uh, it's about truly caring. <laughs> in healthcare, I say we got to put the the care back in healthcare. Well, it's no different in sales and, and in for entrepreneurs. Um, we have to show our people we care, and and I know, you know, keep them keeping them on the payroll with uh, with PPP and programs that are coming out. That's great. We're showing we care, but I mean, truly getting to to the heart and soul of our people, uh, understanding them personally, not just professionally, and the challenges they're going through. You know, do we know that Jane um, has three kids at home? She's working full time, and she's uh, being a, a teacher as well. You know, for uh, at home uh, schooling. It, it, it's those kinds of things. So I think you're absolutely right. Coaching our customer is key, but now we got to take those skills and apply it internally as well. Boy, that's very interesting. So you, you brought up, I'm, I'm totally pivoting here. And for those listening, <laughs> this is going to sound very weird, but We're there's, a, outside there's the a lines. story and we are, we are. Um, there's a story I want to get out of you before we, before we wrap up here, which is you mentioned your, your two daughters getting bored at Disney and mm -hmm. not being, not being business people. Right. Uh, I think that ties into this story. You, you also just mentioned uh, being a, you know, a teacher at home with, with COVID-19. You have, you have an interesting, uh, one of those two daughters has, I'm sure both have an interesting story, but yeah. one of them I know, and you're, you're doing a, you're doing a, a seminar in a few weeks. Is that right? Yeah. With one I, of your daughters? I am so excited about this. Thanks for mentioning it. Yeah. I'm proud of both my daughters. They're very different. But my oldest daughter actually lives in Ecuador. And uh, uh, her name is Maya. And Maya is an intuit. She's a emotional guide, spiritual teacher who provides kind of a unique alternative approach to healing and transformation, and especially for business people. Uh, so we've decided to join forces during these turbulent times. We're presenting a webinar that's called uh, Conscious Business. Uh, it's kind of how do we look at this time as being an invitation for growth in business and professionally and, and personally. So that's on April 28th, by the way. Thanks for mentioning it. It's at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And you can just go to eventbrite.com. That's uh, bright is spelled B-R-I-T-E. Put in Conscious Business and you'll find it. Or even easier, just email me. It's jeff at jefftobe.com. Um, it's free. Donations are, are encouraged of any size, but it's, it's free. Sign up, and, and we'd love to have, uh, we expect to have hundreds of people on there from the reaction we've gotten so far. Uh, it's called, again, Conscious Business. And really, um, it, it, going to look at four different areas. But, you know, what's coming out, what's coming ahead of you, anticipating What's coming ahead of you personally and business uh, and professionally? Uh, being aware of the intention behind decisions that we're making right now. Uh, switching from that victim mentality to creator mentality I was talking about. And realizing that now's the time for, for gifts, for opportunities to enter our lives uh, when we're most challenged. So thanks for mentioning that. And thanks for me allowing me to do a blatant plug. Oh, you're so welcome. I think that's really cool um, that you get get a chance to work with her. That must yeah. be a blast. We'll have to we'll have to have you back on at some point so you can tell us about that experience and and any other projects you have coming up. 
Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Jeff, it was great having you on the show today. Thank you uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Tobe, and it's jefftobe.com. jefftobe.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show and look forward to, to more conversation with you in the future. Stay safe and stay healthy. You too. Thanks.